37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Hey, what's up everybody? Sean here with a bit of a bummer disclaimer. This episode was supposed to be number 299, but unfortunately on Wednesday night when Preston and I were doing our live stream and recording the episode, we experienced a series of unfortunate technical difficulties, and unfortunately we lost the entire episode. Now we will circle back and re-record that episode for you guys because the content is a lot of fun and we definitely don't want you guys to miss out on it. But that being said, unfortunately, with the um, workload that Preston and I have had recently at work just kind of being buried, we didn't have time to re-record it and time to release it this week. So what I have for you guys on this episode is a special presentation of our old defunct sister podcast, 13 Nightmares, in which Brady and Steven and I would get together and do reviews and deep dives into movies. And we're going to drop a special episode that Brady and I did about some of our favorite horror movie remakes that have been done over the years. Now, admittedly, I haven't listened to this episode since we released it about three, three and a half years ago. But if I remember right, it was a lot of fun and gave some insight into our thoughts on Hollywood remaking some of the classic horror movies that we all know and love. That being said, I think it's pretty appropriate to be dropping this right now, just a few weeks before Halloween. Now, we'll get back to releasing normal show content next week. However, next week's episode will drop a little later, most likely on Saturday. Preston and Jeffrey are getting ready to embark on their one-year anniversary vacation, so we hope they have a great time, but we're going to be behind a little bit. But we'll definitely be dropping the new episode, number 299, next Saturday. That should be the 28th, I believe. Now, the next day on the 29th, at 5 p.m. Central Standard, Preston and I will be live streaming our big special 300th episode. That's right, we're going to be recording it live at 5 p.m., a little earlier, and on Sunday, a different night. We thought it'd be nice to record something and live stream it earlier, so maybe some more folks can get on there and watch it live, as opposed to having to wait and watch it after we release it. Now, that episode is going to be very special because we're going to be doing a lot more listener stories that have been submitted to us. And I'm going to be honest, some of these stories are some of the most batshit, bonkers, wild stories we've ever received. Uh, I'd like to give you a little teaser, a little um, taste, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spoil a surprise, but we have some truly wild stuff coming at you guys on episode 300. Now, that being said, you still have time to submit your own stories to us. If you want to send something in for us to read or share, you can email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. You can also submit those stories to us via our DMs or our PMs on Facebook and on Instagram, or you can hit us up individually, privately, if you know us both separately outside of the podcast. So feel free to share those stories with us. And also, we still have that Google Voice number. You can call and leave us a voicemail, and we can share your voice on the podcast. If you want to call and leave us a message, that phone number is 913-662-3144. So if you have your stories, go ahead and share those. We can't wait to share them with everybody else. 
And that being said, for now, we just want to apologize for things kind of being all over the place lately. We'll be getting back to the good stuff and a lot more structure like we used to have, uh, most likely as soon as Preston gets back from vacation. But for now, please enjoy this re-release of a special episode of 13 Nightmares, originally released February of 2020. And we'll catch you guys next week. Well, hello there, and welcome back to 13 Nightmares. Now, just like last time, I'm still Sean, and with me again is Steven. What up, it's Steven. <laughs> <laughs> and Brady. Hey, what's going on, everybody? So right now, you might be asking yourselves, selves, what in the world's going on? That's a weird intro song. Not totally unlike the original, but different. Well, that's because this episode is a little different. Like we mentioned before, we're going to start doing a couple little episodes here and there that we put in between the normal deep dive episodes. So in a startling plot twist, how this all kind of came about so soon is we were actually researching last minute facts for our normal episode two, where we cover Alien and we discovered the interesting original inspiration for the movie's story and thus had to order a copy of said mystery source material. And so we thought that in between episodes one and two, we'll drop the first of the alternative episodes that you'll be getting that will sprinkle in between the main deep dives. And thus, here we are. So these shorter episodes, like tonight's show, shall now be called B-Reels. So these will be shorter episodes that are a little more loose, and we're just talking about several different topics on these episodes. Maybe we settle on, you know, upcoming horror movie news for one episode, or we talk about Scream Queens and stuff like that. Or video games with horror. Ooh. Yeah, maybe so, yeah. But these won't be just one deep dive on one specific movie, but more or less, you know, a genre or a type or a subject. As I say, and even some of them could, like, um, different, these B-reels could mention the same movie in different episodes. That's another good thing about it. Because oh, we're going to yeah. have, like, a lot of different things, depending on whether we do lists or, you know, whatever we talk about. So if you're going to talk about, you know, Scream in this one, you might talk about Scream in another list or something like that. So, Or it could have its own deep dive, you know, episode. For sure, yeah. The three movies we're talking about tonight, those each deserve their own deep dive, mm -hmm. especially because, you know, they're, they're franchises, basically. So we won't be doing as much of a dive into those, but still give you some goods anyway. Cool. So on this episode, inspired by the recent trailer for Jordan Peele's upcoming Candyman remake, we thought... What the hell? Let's talk about remakes and reboots of our classic favorite horror movies. Bum, bum, bum. I'm looking forward to the Candyman remake. Dude, me too. I am too. I, especially because of the political climate we're in right now and Jordan Peele being uh, 
kind of an activist. I mean, he's very big into giving African American um, mm-hmm. yeah. only role or only uh, cast and and crew, and like I think that's really cool. And I mean, Candyman was a very you know woke movie for the time. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about it, you know, it was. Like, it was also an, a very underrated movie. Yeah, at that too, uh, for and sure. I've always loved the movie Candyman, so I uh, so seeing Jordan Peele be able to handle the the property is uh is exciting. Yeah. Speaking of well, Jordan yeah. Peele, I just finished the new newer Twilight Zone. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, he did a killer job with that. I only seen one episode, but I loved it. I want to watch the rest of it. Nope. So okay, now correct me if I'm wrong, but Candyman, that's not the main focus of the show, but we might as well talk about it a little bit. Uh the original Candyman, that was directed by a you know, a white guy, right? I believe so. I believe so. Tell me. Yeah, I thought it was, and that was kind of a controversy in itself that, you know, we're talking about the suffering of African Americans and, you know, the what they experience living in the projects and so on. And I think that was the uh the big caveat mm-hmm. there was it was still written by a white dude. So yeah. you know, I think it's I'm anxious to see how he uh, you know, brings his own breed of attention to detail to this movie, just like he did with Get Out and with uh us. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty so. pretty excited for it. And Tony Todd will be retiring or retiring, returning <laughs> for the movie as well. Just pretty tight. Is he is he going to be Candyman? No. Do we know? Uh, or I don't. Is he just no, he's cameo? just going to cameo. I don't. I mean, as far as I know, I think they've been kind of tight lipped about that. So the the trailer is yeah. not out yet, right? <laughs> Technically, right. spoiler alert, guys. It comes out on Thursday, yeah. the twenty seventh. By the time yeah. by the time we're recording this, yeah, by the time you guys too, you'll be in the future. The future. <laughs> right, yes. We're recording this on Wednesday evening, so we have yet to see it as well. So that'll be fun. Bernard Rose was who originally directed mm-hmm. Candyman. Okay. Mm, white dude. And the beautiful Virginia Matson. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's a white. He's a Caucasian. Gotcha. Not, I mean, not that, I don't know, here or there, it's not for me to say, but uh, I really dug it. Yeah. You know? So let's see where. Controversy is controversy. Controversy. And I think, like we, like, like we said, Jordan Peele is very. I don't know. I love his movies. I love the comedy oh, yeah, he does. Sure. I think him doing Get Out was um, groundbreaking for, uh, for for that for that in my opinion, just because like it yeah, was so sure. eerie and it still had the comedy. It, like it checked off all the boxes for me when it comes to a horror movie. Um, yep. There were some things in Us I didn't really I didn't really care for, but overall it's still fun, and that's and that's what I love about it. And I hope he does his spin of like what the fuck on Candyman. That's what I hope. Yeah. I hope that it's not just, the same thing as like uh, a whole area being gentrified and, and tore down and blah, 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 and like stuff like that. Like that's right. cool and everything. Keep that aspect. And I like that about like, because like when you watch it, because we watched Candyman last year at the at the yeah, Horror, Horror Fest, Fest. And yeah. it was so. We actually got an intro from Tony yeah, Todd himself. That was, that was such a surprise. But it was yeah. the two people yeah, that organized Leaf that. And, uh, the couple that sponsored Ro- Rose it really. something. I can't remember. Yeah, I forget. They're really yeah. yeah generous people, and that was really cool to get that cameo uh, video from him telling like, "Hey, thanks, mm-hmm. Wichita, for checking us out." Like that, it was so tight. Um, I gotta say real quick, I love cameos because they're not really dressed up that much. I, like, that's that's I think that's the whole shtick is because yeah, like yeah. the cameos is like clearly people you admire, 
but yeah. they're not really that famous anymore <laughs> or they ain't got nothing else going on. So if somebody was like, Hey, will you record a selfie video for me? Uh, no shirt n- uh, for 200 bucks. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you really think I'm going to go get all fucking suited up? Nah, dude. dude. Some of them are cheaper than that. There's been a couple that I talked to people who have done them that have been like 25, 30 bucks. That's so cool. What an easy job. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would do that all day long. You want a video? I'll give you my email. You want my phone number? Come on. Let, I'll send you a video right now of me saying something for 20 bucks. Steve, are people beating down your door for that? <laughs> yeah. I'm very popular. I'm just glad to see uh, Jordan Peele. You know, he's such a talented guy, and it's it's cool to see him making horror movies. You know, oh, a talented sure. director, producer, you know, writer, yep. keeping uh, the genre going. Yeah, and, so, and he's very passionate about that and the science fiction yeah. type shit, so... Well, and, you know, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because of, uh, you know, people are trying to compare us to get out. I hated hated that so much. Yeah. I mean, it's hard hard not to because you go from such a a great instant classic like Get Out. I mean, it was up for Mm -hmm. all these awards and recognitions. And, of course, the hype is going to be there for for us. And I think that's why people slam it now is because – it yeah. was so much hype to live up to that. It's gonna be. It's gonna be hard. Well, I think, and I think in in any like sort of like media, like artistic media, like sophomore efforts are always, you know, they're either not as good or terrible. Mm-hmm. I think to most right. people. Well, and he's even come out and said, "I just wanted to make a, a good scary movie. Like I wasn't trying to make something that trumped my first mm-hmm. movie." You know, yeah. and a lot of people forget that that we don't always have to have this. You know, overall steady incline, one after another after another. Like it's okay just to have a good movie; it doesn't have to be great. I mean, I don't know a director in the world that just has hit after hit. I mean, everybody puts out something that's, you know, better than their last or not as good as their last. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to me, it's just par for the course. It's just glad he's making good movies. Yep. Well, speaking of reboots, then what exactly is it about reboots that we do or do not like? You know, there's a whole list of things. What is it about remakes that you guys, you know, both respect or, you know, revolt uh, from? I like to see different directors take approaches to, you know, older classical, or not really classical, but classic, you know, movies in the genre just because Mm -hmm. you can tell they're really passionate about it. And it's nice to see somebody with that kind of love towards a certain project, you know, get a fulfill their, you know, vision of, of, you know, what they, uh, come up with. Right. Steve, what do you think, man? Are you always on board for remakes or do you sometimes kind of cringe with a thought? Um, I'm usually always on board because like what Brady said, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm very open to people's new renditions or new ideas, but, um, the only thing that affects me is the rating, the movie rating. Okay. That always affects me, um, and sadly now, whatever, whoever, whatever company's making it, <laughs> some of the companies put out way too many, and it just just gives horror. Blue Mouse, yeah, yeah. just gives horror like, kind of <laughs> like a bad name. Because I mean, um, I tell you one thing, Blue Mouse is really good at is making really good fucking trailers. So yeah, it gener- <laughs> for really subpar movies, yeah, and, yeah. and then like you're like, oh shit, really suck yeah, it's like this looks fucking great, and this might be the one. That you know that's amazing, and I'm still gonna I'm still gonna watch them eventually. I might not go to the th- I might not go to the theater to see them, um, like all the ones that have recently come out and have been flops. I haven't gone to the theater to see them just because they really didn't like inspire me to go see them. But yeah, but that's that's movies in general. They haven't put any remakes out for a while um, that I know of anyway. I don't know for for sure. 
But when I look at a movie and I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Um, I'm never going to go in there with a negative. That's just not who I am. And I said this on the first episode. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm not a negative dude. I have a lot of negative things in my life a lot of time by my, by my own choice, my own brain. But when it comes to movies, like that's my movies and video games, that's my escape. So I try to go into both of them, all of them, um, with a positive mindset of like, okay, I'm going to find something to enjoy out of this. And for the movie Mm -hmm. that I picked for this topic tonight, I, I got to do that again. And I, that's what I liked about this idea of this, of the speed reel episode is that some people might not agree with, with everything that we say, but on, on, on this show, especially when it comes to opinion articles like this or episodes like this, I think that it's good to give people idea of like, well, why, what were the shining qualities out of that? And Mm -hmm. I, and I think that that's what this is going to be cool for. So remakes in general, uh, I'm always on board with them because I'm like, yeah, they get a bad rap. There's always, there's always the memes about it. Did Hollywood run out of ideas? You know? And while that, that criticism is very, very worthy, um, I'm still going to, I'm still going to go watch it. Especially because it's the genre I I love. I think it comes down to, I think it just comes down to who's, who's making it really. I mean, I, you know, if it's somebody that has a really solid vision of, you know, continuing or rebooting or whatever you want to call it. Or like a big fan, of a, a fan of the of the universe or the the mm-hmm. story character. Well, or whatever. they they also get to bring it to a newer generation, mm-hmm. and you know, we grew up loving you know the classic you know slasher movies, right? Halloween, Child's mm-hmm. right. Play, Friday the Thirteenth, and kids nowadays without some of these reboots would have never given them even the chance to go back even watch the older ones unless it was like you know one of their parents showing it to Mm -hmm. them because i wonder about that too because like you look at like child's play the new child's play and how i really enjoyed that movie because i liked the new up-to-date take on it with the ai the robot blah, blah 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 and then you have you know the old and like i mean i've showed my nephew Chucky, he thinks it's hilarious. He doesn't show any scare factor whatsoever <laughs> other than the sounds, like the music mm-hmm. picking up and then the shocking you. But like seeing the doll, like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like he looks at me like I'm an right, idiot. Right. Like this is not scary at all. So, yeah. but, yeah. so, but, and then with the new child's play, like it wasn't scary for me either. I just like the aspect of the AI and, you know, that type of stuff. So, well, and you got to think with, with your nephew, he's going to grow up remembering that his uncle showed him yep. child's play. Yeah. And, yep. you know, eventually he'll get old enough to where he'll go, you know, watch the older movies and be like, wow, this is, yeah. I remember watching this as a kid. And, why do you, th- yeah. why do you think I keep my original child's play two Chucky doll up on the high shelf? So the little bastard can't come and mess with it. <laughs> 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 right. Right. But no, Brady, that's a good point because, I mean, the whole reason why I love horror as much as I do is, you know, mainly in part to the fond memories I had with my grandma, you know, because she basically was, she was my big Stephen, you know, uh, at a young age. I got to see these movies, um, you know, sitting next to her, holding her hand, going to her house. So, I mean, there are so many fond memories. I'm just picturing us, uh, <laughs> me picking you up, you holding my hand. I bring you into, I bring you into a old 1980s couch. <laughs> Sit down with a box right. of VHS tapes. <laughs> We're going to watch Cannibal Holocaust, John. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> this is quality time with grandma. I like to imagine me having a child's body, but my my adult sized head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now let me ask you this: Can we all agree? And Stephen, that might make you recant what you said earlier. Can we agree that some movies just don't have to be remade? Yes. And I'm going to say this: They're remaking Jaws. Yeah, I'm. Ag- I'm firmly against this. Why in the Sam Hill do we need to have? Jaws be remade. Well, I think I think one ask the question first is what needs to be remade about it. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point because a lot of times in remakes, um, like in Evil Dead, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But with Evil Dead, Sam Raimi said he was behind it a hundred percent, and part of the reason why it was signed off is because we could now get a chance to see what the concept was that they had imagined with a Hollywood blockbuster budget that's available now because these guys didn't have that kind of budget. That's why it looks so silly. Right, right. Well, take Jaws and, you know, we see Bruce the shark and compare it to other, I guess, modern shark horror films. Yeah, the Meg, 40 meters below. It's it's all CGI. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bruce was a... A Muppet. I mean, a life-size Muppet, you know. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I think, you know, if, if that movie would have been made nowadays, it definitely wouldn't have gone over as well as it did Sure, when it released. And, you know, the, uh, you know, just something about the actual, like, practical effects of, like, seeing an actual shark, not just, like, a, oh, an yeah. animated. Yeah. Yep. And I think also with Jaws, like, during the time it came out, I don't know. Jaws to me almost feels like a family horror movie. I know it's kind of weird because it's yeah, it's no, kind of no, violent. That's not weird at all. Yeah, but like it just has that family aspect with the beach and the people swimming and stuff. And and yeah. like so for me, I think that with Jaws, like that's kind of what they're gonna go they they went with. And I think that mm-hmm. it, with the remake, it it'll go back to what I was saying the rating system. Like I think that'll probably be a PG thirteen. Uh, there'll be an Easter egg of a Bloomhouse logo on the on the actual CGI shark. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I, I think with Jaws too, though, is it it uh it made people scared of it was a scary movie as far as you know a, an average day at the beach could turn into something completely horrific. And well, it, yeah, yeah, it was it tangible was, horror. It wasn't an Amityville yeah. house, mm-hmm. which you could argue was or was not a true story. It wasn't Chucky. It was something but, that a hundred percent could happen. Yeah, and that and still happen. to this day, yeah, yeah. I mean, people yeah, still say, shark attacks. People still get scared of them, you know, because they do, unfortunately, do yep. happen. And not in the massive scale <laughs> that this this movie did. Right, right. But, I mean... Well, and I tell I you mean, what... It, it did set a, a standard for, for sharks, though. I mean, it, it really uh, did. It. I mean, you could argue that it may have been detrimental to the actual species, but... Oh, man, You know, yeah. when you see... It, when you, you're, you're online and you see a picture of, you know, a great white that somebody caught jumping out of the water, you know, and you're mm-hmm. just like... Man, like, yeah. it's fucking Jaws. Man, Steven Spielberg made the first Shark Week. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Right? <laughs> I think, and uh, like, so we don't get into too, into too much detail on Jaws. I, I, I kind of see what you're saying with, with, with the, the remake situation on that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have the affinity for that movie that you guys do. But um, just because I, I really didn't grow up with it, it wasn't like a thing. My parents weren't really into horror. So uh-huh. I had to like seek it out on my own, and I was just like, "Why the fuck do I want to watch a video about a shark when I can watch do with <laughs> razor or like scissors, or knife hands or uh, the guy with a big ass machete or you know like I, I'd right. rather watch that shit." True. Um, so, but I mean, I've watched it now, and I do see why it's why it's so why it's so loved. 
Uh, I added, I added one. It's not, it's another animal movie. I guess you would call it animal, whatever. Um, creature, not even a creature movie. Fuck Jurassic Park. It's not really a horror movie, but it's a, <laughs> it's a thriller suspense. Um, now when yeah. I say re, when I say remake, I think that because we talked about this earlier, a remake versus a remake and a reboot, they are two different things. The new Jan Bob sure. movie, they explain it perfectly. I'm not going to attempt to do it. Go watch the movie or just YouTube remake versus reboot speech from Jan Bob. It's phenomenal with him, them and Jason Lee. It makes total sense. Um, but Jurassic Park, like there's no way that they could reboot that from the beginning, just as, mm-hmm. which is not a horror movie, Back to the Future. And finally today, the original writer was like, absolutely, or not today, but this past week, absolutely not. It will never happen. That would be like trying to um, raise a child again or something, something like this, like after so many years. I mean, in a way, like sure, yeah. yeah. It was like, and, and it was like, holy shit, like that makes sense. So, I mean, I think we need to look at that aspect too, of not just, uh, remaking something, but rebooting something. Sometimes it just makes yeah. no sense, such as Black Christmas. Like there, it just right. didn't make sense to re to reboot that the way they did with the shit they did. And I think some of the success to, and lack of success for remakes is because of the time that the originals were put out, like the culture mm-hmm. in the world and what mm-hmm. was going on in the world events, and you know, especially here in the United States. Um, you know, it just doesn't resonate the same with with a modern audience. So, right, right. Oh know, yeah, if they are going to go remake Jaws. You know, it's you know, it's not it's not the same time period. It's not. I mean, everything. Yeah. The other day we watched uh, a movie together, and all, all all three of us. And when we were watching it, there was some pretty jarring language. Um, in in it, <laughs> you're talking about lady and white, yeah, 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 lady and white, and there was pretty shocking language referencing racism and and, but it was like, I remember watching it, and we were like so shocked by it. We were like, we weren't expecting it because the where we live, where we are now in our world on media, like it isn't that. I mean, isn't that crazy? Like we're looking back on mm-hmm. that, and it was so so shocking. So oh yeah, when it comes to like remakes, sure. they can't like what you're saying they can't do certain things because the times have changed and it's not socially appropriate or mm-hmm. you know the cliches that were once like everybody knows this guy's gonna die you know they <laughs> they <laughs> right they yeah. don't yeah. they don't do that anymore you know and there's a whole documentary about Unless it you're on Quentin Tarantino. yeah yeah and uh right. i don't know it's it's really interesting how the remake the remake reboot conversation can go on mm-hmm. for well and ever. censorship is Censorship is such a double-edged sword um, for both time periods. Like, you know, like watching Lady in White, they dropped the N-word um, a few times in a specific context. And, like, it'd be hard to do that. Again. Not that we need to, but it'd be hard to do that in today's culture. Mm-hmm. You know, even like though, that's one of the few Even though that movie curses. was a time period piece. Or what? Sure. 50 it was. Exactly. So, like, I mean, yeah. but even then, I mean... Hell, we have movies now. I mean, I remember when Django came out, it was such a huge deal. Nobody talked about the tons of killing and blood. It was all about the word. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like it's yep, yeah. all about that, that N word getting tossed yeah. in there. Sure. But I mean, censorship is just, it's so weird. You can see things today that wouldn't have gotten past the censors when we finally had, you know, an actual rating system with a lot of these horror movies. But then again, you'll see some stuff back then that when we were a little more laxed, mm-hmm. Before we had as much, you know, of the equality that we have today, you'd see a lot more, um, you know, 
gratuitous nudity. You'd see a lot more violence towards women. So it definitely kind of plays a double standard. You know, it opens some doors and it shuts others. Unfortunately, with horror movies today, a lot of your remakes are coming from, you know, Blumhouse or Bloomhouse. You're getting a lot of stuff that's in that PG-13, you know, category for high school kids. Because right now, 13 to 17-year-olds seem to be the demographic for horror. But that really stifles creativity, Mm -hmm. you know? And I didn't see Black Christmas. No need to. Why would you remake that movie? It was pertinent back when the original Black Christmas was made, back in the height of slasher films. You know, serial killers were running amok. It was all over the news. Um, Richard Ramirez, John Wayne Gacy, all these things. That's what also made a slasher scary. That's why Michael Myers was so, you know daunting and so haunting could be real <laughs> could yeah. happen to me i think i think that's yeah. why some slashers have a hard time nowadays like you know well, yeah like the new halloween you know it's i liked it not everybody liked it but I loved it's it. you know it it just doesn't resonate as it did in you know 78 well that's so. that's part sure. of the cons too is that is that um you know with the culture and world events Let's not get it twisted. We are so desensitized. Oh, for sure. I was desensitized as a very young age. So like, that's why I drawn more to horror where my friends were like, oh, it's scary. I'm like, "Mm, there's, (laughs) there's nothing scary about this. Like it's, (laughs) it's just, it's macabre. You've never seen this before. So you're like, oh, kind of off put by it. So then like, but with it being so desensitized, it kind of like some remakes do things that are weird just to get a shock value. Try to, to try to jar you. And then it's like, what? why do you, did you do, do that? You guys, do you guys keep uh, horror, like horror movies or like gore separately? No. Or do you think they're, um, you know, one and the same? No, because people will make the argument about like Saw and stuff, like Saw or Hostel. I consider all the, mm-hmm. all that horror. And the reason why is people are like, well, what do you say that? And I'm like, if you were in a fucking bear mask with the fucking thing that's going to rip your jaw off, would you be scared? Well, yeah. Then you're in a fucking horror movie. Yeah, I think there's different levels of horror. Yeah. You know, there's psychological. Yep. There's stuff like Suspiria and a lot of those old 70s Art horror movies. Art house horror. <laughs> well, and I think the older movies didn't have to be as bloody, I mean, right. to get their point across. And I, I don't – sometimes I feel like more modern movies have to go like that extra mile just to get a response out of – Yeah. Out of uh, – people which is what i was which what i was saying yeah with the desensitivity with the desensitivity they want to see if like well we got to make sure we get that one person to feel uneasy but then like for right, me yeah. like uneasy comes from like either like uh what i'll talk about later is like prosthetic makeup versus cgi like some prosthetic sure. will like be like holy yeah. shit that is yeah. creepy and i say cgi and i'm yeah, like claymation yeah. and the uncanny valley yeah. and stuff like that yeah exactly also, I think, and this will, I'm going to talk about this later, is um, certain actors, they capture a certain emotion in a movie, mm-hmm. and it's not something that can be duplicated, almost like lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And right. I think if you're going to remake a movie that has a pretty iconic performance or performances, you really need to try to respect the source material. Right. Um, but it all depends on... I think. I think... But I think like like movies like Doctor Sleep did did really well as far as trying to capture the essence of The Shining while trying to yeah, yeah, yeah. differentiate it kept the itself. legacy alive. Mm-hmm. But like you know, and then, not to keep bagging on Black Christmas, but the new one like it total no no respect for the original movie at all. Yeah, right. And 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 like sometimes it's hard to like if you take like a very like if you took Scream, Sidney Prescott, 
you know, if you took her character and if they were to reboot Scream, which they kind of did with Scream TV shows, uh, but they went in like mm-hmm. a whole new direction. So they kind of like they don't even have that character. I mean, I've only watched the first two seasons. I don't think they had Sydney in there at all or any reference or whatever. But I could be mistaken. Don't quote me on that. But uh, so like when you do that, that would be called a reboot. So it's not a remake. It's a reboot because you're changing mm-hmm. things to change with the times. So they made that sure, one of like a fair. teen slash, I mean, Scream was teen slash too, but more of like a teen with like the newer age shit. And um, that's why yeah, I right. really enjoyed that. But yeah, I totally, I totally see what you're saying. Uh, so I think that they need to change up some of the, not just the script, but like the, the, the feeling of the movie to match the acting caliber of that actor or actress. Yeah. Instead of like trying well, to recreate. Movies, you can't the the right. magic that nev campbell did for sydney prescott's character you need to do something different if it doesn't make sense with the plot you're trying to tell that's that's how i see it anyway sure and and take modernizing shows like scream what made scream so you know fantastic was you you can't do scream in today's society you get a phone call what's your favorite scary movie uh, hang on a second uh 911 Three-way call. Yeah, um, there's a guy on the other line. Okay, great, thanks. Yeah, they're going to come to your house right now. Mm. Boom. Our movie is 45 seconds long. (laughs) You know, you can't modernize some of the horror. Some of the horror is classic because the time it was shot in. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I think think that's why... I think there's there's definitely more of an appreciation for more uh, original storing, you know, storytelling as far as Mm -hmm. that, you know, appear in the modern times or, you know, that's something that's... You know, there's you got to find different ways to be spooky now. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I know this isn't a remake, but look at Cabin in the Woods. They took a just every horror movie trope. They put a trailer out that made you think it was just again, uh, you know, a haunted cabin in the woods, and then turned the entire thing on its head and made something very wonderful. That's probably a one-trick pony. You're not going to be able to make Cabin in the Woods again without being a blatant ripoff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but that but that you know, could open are, a universe though. Which is kind of until sure. the until twenty years later in the remake comes <laughs> yeah. out, and then what? Touche, <laughs> like you son of kind of with what he was, what uh, you were going with, like the technology, you know, like getting a phone call. Hey, what's your favorite scary movie? Well, like uh, when you have, let me Google it. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when you, I liked uh, just keep on the same realm of Scream, like Scream Four. People either love it or they hate it. I loved it. Um, it was cool to see Wes Craven do. Uh, 10 years have passed since like, you know, Sydney getting herself back together and shit. Um, yeah. And I liked how they showed her as, um, not an elderly woman, an older, you know, later in her life woman, yeah. mid, mid, middle aged, whatever the hell you want to call it. And then, um, to show like with the technology changing. Cause just like that, like they even have like kind of like a scene in that movie kind of thing. Like, like shut the fuck up, click and then block the number, <laughs> you know? So like there's, <laughs> that's yeah, true. Unfriended. Yeah. So there's like different things with that, and I liked how he caught that. And then with Scream Four, like uh, they video camera and stream everything because that was that was really picking up around 2011. Streaming. Oh and stuff like that. yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen yeah. those movies. So, so I guess him. You are right. Yeah. Well, I think the the advent of caller ID really <laughs> helped. <laughs> I don't know this number. I'm not answering. <laughs> you look at the caller ID. Killer. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. No, you'd look at the caller ID and it'd say potential spam. Yeah, spam risk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Likely scam. Yep. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, the other thing about remakes too, um, the thing I love about them, it expands your chance. I'm sorry, 
it gives you a chance to expand on the lore of stories that we already know. And with that expansion on the lore and censorship together, you get deeper dives into the backstory of like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, because they never really came out and said in those first couple of movies, or maybe any of them, Steve, uh, that he was a child molester. They kind of tiptoe around it and you're left to your own imagination to put two and two together like, oh, man, this guy's an old pervert. I get mm-hmm. it. You know, but with censorship, now we can talk about that and now we can mm-hmm. dig deeper into the lore and find See, out what's thought- going on. I thought with that, with specifically with that remake, you know, Freddy's such a beloved character, and then to paint him in that light, like it, you like want to like him, but then you hate him. Like we'll go hate. into that here in a little bit. <laughs> right, right, right. And I mean, and another thing we'll talk about later too, as far as as far as expanding on lore, something I truly love about the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Ever since I was a kid, after watching the first. I think like maybe part four of Friday the 13th, I always wondered like, how the hell is this thing getting around? Boom, he's here. Boom, he's here. Boom, he's there. Like the guy, is he supernatural? Does he fly? Does he teleport? And you get that question answered. You know, you see that he uses a series of tunnel systems to get around. And that shit. was such a brilliant. Tight. Yeah, that was brilliant in my opinion. It was basically J- or MTV Jason's crib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of was, and that's what I adored about it, so... And, you know, sometimes to kind of move things on a little bit here, sometimes we don't realize that some of our most beloved horror movies that we've grown up watching are remakes themselves. Yep. Yep. So let's go through here and just mention a couple of these that, you know, I never realized. Some of them I did, some I didn't. Of course, I knew The Fly was a remake with Jeff Goldblum because you had the original from 1958. But, yeah, the original is 1958. The remake was made in 1986. Uh, the Thing, I didn't know until about four or five years ago that the 1982 The Thing was a remake of the movie from 1951, The Thing from Another Planet. And then, of course, one movie that I will argue is a great remake, Night of the Living Dead. For sure. Night of the Living Dead 1990 is a great zombie movie, and I will fight people who say it's I not. Agree. Oh, I, I like it. it more than than the 68 version yeah and i mean that's nice too you get to see a classic you know nothing this is the thing too we meant to mention at the very beginning with the remake one thing i wish people could understand it doesn't take away the original movie no one pulls it off the shelf no one hides it no one blocks it you still get to hold on to that and maybe it makes you cherish that movie even more the fact that they botched your favorite horror movie or they you know, they get new new people to like the franchise to keep mm-hmm. it alive. I Yep. Yep. You know, these it's not like these are just gonna last forever. There's been plenty of huge movies, you know, older than we are that, you know, have died off and nobody watches anymore and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, and speaking of that, Steve, what's uh give us a couple of years that you know are our modern day classics that were actually remakes. Um, okay, so for me, the one that I didn't know was a remake when I watched this uh movie, I think the early two thousands had some fucking amazing <laughs> sorry. Uh, fucking amazing horror movies, man. Like Thirteen Ghosts is a phenomenal movie. I think that they could either do like a Netflix show or like somebody yeah. could come in and be like, "Hey, we're going to do thirteen shorts," you know. Like, well, they talked about that actually. That's something being tossed around right now. Doing that'd be series. so sick. Yeah, uh, yeah. And each episode focuses on one of the ghosts. Yeah. Oh, that'd be because they because like he kind of gives like a brief summary of each of the ghosts in that movie, and 
Yeah, oh, it'd be so good. And and then I never knew that was the that was an original movie. And I did think I just I remember it was Brady or Sean that told me they're like, yeah, it's well. And I'm like, what? I did not. And I still yeah. haven't watched it, but I'd like to. But I mean, I don't I don't mm-hmm. own it, so. But uh, that was really crazy. Uh, just like a really great um, remake is is the it chapter one chapter two, uh, 1990 oh, yeah. it is is amazing and it's great. Uh, Tim Curry's fucking phenomenal. Uh, I love the, the the child actors in that movie. Not so much the adult actors, except for a couple. But um, but no no shame there. But <laughs> or no this talking there. But I mean. It chapter one, I mean, that just fucking lit my world on fire. I, I've always mm-hmm. loved Pennywise. Um, I, I love clowns in general, but, uh, you know, I'm down with the clown, so to speak. <laughs> Shit. They did well to, you know, keep the uh, the same spirit alive. Yeah. From the, oh, yeah. yeah 1990 sure. version. Yeah, and they, and they improved in everything, man. They improved on the creep factor. They did the Easter eggs uh, for the book and the, yeah. and the original miniseries. Um, they kept so true to the material and just improved it. The writing was great. They m- did. They made it modern with keeping it in the eighties. Like, ugh, it's just it's so fucking good. Uh, but of course, everybody listening has already seen that. And the whole damn world's seen it. Um, Scream TV show I talked about earlier. I really think that the Scream TV show, for what it is, is good. It's a teen WB type slasher. It was on MTV, and you know mm-hmm. it, it. It is what it is. Um, I guess I only watched the first two seasons. The mask was kind of weird, but I've heard they've implemented the ghost face mask now. Uh, I don't know if that show's done. It probably is, but I thought that was really good. It was a good idea of taking a movie and turning it into a TV show and being successful. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And then one of my favorites, first one, not so much a sequel, um, uh, John Carpenter's (laughs) Halloween, phenomenal. Everyone's seen it. Everybody loves it. Uh, Rob Zombie, whether you like his movies, you hate his movies, you dabble in them, whatever. Uh, I think Halloween by Rob Zombie was a really, really well done movie when it comes to mm-hmm. recreating like Michael Myers itself. Now, people will come in, they'll right. like, why did Michael Myers have to come from a trashy redneck family, blah, 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 you know, all that bullshit. But I thought... Because that's Rob Zombie's aesthetic. <laughs> exactly. It <laughs> yeah. is. Definite. Yeah, he's a definite passion for the for the genre. He loves horror. Like, he... He's upset. I mean, if you guys have ever watched his MTV Cribs, this is the second shout out for MTV Cribs. Fucking pay me. Go watch that. It's amazing. That dude loves horror. Well, I've I've watched some of his. If you watch some of his interviews, and he had he did an interview with Joe Rogan oh, not yeah, too long great. ago, and you can just tell he has a a lot of love. Just for loves it, it man. Like, and then like everything from classics. Uh, the movies I really don't care about, but I know Brady loves the Godzillas and the King Kongs and all that shit. I don't really care for that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, just his knowledge of movies, how they're made. I mean, it's just like talking to Leaf. You can talk to him for hours. Yeah. And he just knows so much, so much stuff. And it's so amazing. And so when he did Halloween, I really liked that. It also goes back to like, how did Jason do all this? Blah, blah, blah. I liked seeing more mm-hmm. of Michael's life. I like sure, seeing like turning yeah. instead of him, but I like the original of just a fucking kid being crazy and just going crazy one day. Yeah, no picking, no well, getting picked it's on. A kid being crazy, but but no, it doesn't give you the reason why. Yeah, it so just, it like makes you wonder, like, how you know. can this guy be so evil? You know, glazed over eyes. What do I see in his eyes? Nothing. You know, that type of thing. And then I liked the I liked seeing him more inside the 
prison, insane asylum, whatever you want to call it. I like sure, that aspect sure. of it. And then ultimately, you know, the gore, the Rob Zombie gore that he's known for. But I just, it, it was yeah. just, it was, it was so, so good. Like I, I can't speak enough. I can't speak enough about it. Second one. And it garbage. also, it also like. spawned perhaps one of the worst remakes of all time. Halloween two by Rob Zombie. <laughs> Yeah, it is pretty it's bad. So it's so weird. Like I don't. There's a couple people I know that did defend that movie, but I just I I've never yeah. been able to make it through it. I fall asleep every time. I've never seen it all the way through, and maybe that's my crutch. But again, I get about forty minutes in, and I just have enough of the teen angst, you know, emo, goth, post goth crying. I, I just can't stand. Yeah. Well, and I think Halloween two, the original Halloween two, was such a solid sequel to the first one and yeah. you know it those movies and rob zombies movies will especially with the halloween franchise will forever be compared to them and you know mm-hmm. and speaking of a remake or reboot rob zombie if you're listening to this podcast which i know you are <laughs> please do creature from the black lagoon yeah that would be so tight. But no, you're right. That is one remake that I want to see. I we've seen what one creature from the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, and then maybe what? How many sequels were there? I don't know. I actually don't know. Where, I, I could have swore there. I don't know. That's I might edit that part out. <laughs> but you know, since the first creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, the only real modern remake of that is The Shape of Water. Yeah, which is great, and that's one of my all time favorite mandates yeah. that Stephen and I went on. Which one best picture, right? That dude, that movie blew my that movie blew my. I knew it was gonna be good because I love Guillermo. Guillermo. Speaking speaking of horror TV shows, if you haven't watched What We Do in the Shadows, mm-hmm. you're really don't be it. like don't be don't be like me, don't be like me. Yeah, don't be like and me. there's a movie. <laughs> no, not not only that, not only that, but don't be like me and have Sean tell you forever and Brady tell you forever to watch this show and be like what and then. Get it totally, get it totally yeah. confused. You should have seen him, Sean, when he found out Jermaine Clemente was the one who directed. Yeah, it, I had no idea. I was like, "What?" Yeah. And then that dude uh, from um, the New Zealand dude from uh, that did Thor Ragnarok and Hunt for the Wilder People. Do we dare pronounce the name? No. Tiki <laughs> I can't. I don't want to do it. I always, I hate saying it because I feel like I'm offending somebody. Yeah. But uh well don't great. don't feel bad like I Adam our buddy Adam had told me for two or three years to watch it and how much I would truly love it and I kept putting it off because again kind of like you the trailer for the movie looked kind of goofy I just wasn't interested watched Thor Ragnarok I the first thing I did when I walked in is boot up uh god what was it on then I think I watched it on uh probably Netflix I think and it was I just adored it so much it was so fun and when that TV show came out, I just I couldn't wait to watch yeah. it. The TV, sh- the the I watched majority of it over at Brady's house yesterday, and it was really cool yeah. to see the. Uh, I I'm glad I watched the TV show before the movie. Honestly, I like the yeah. I like the TV show better than I like the movie. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, for sure, because there's so many scenes yeah. in the movie that they kind of you could tell it was almost like a pilot. Like they expanded on. Yeah, thing, and I thought yeah, that was so yeah. so cool. So I'm glad I got to experience. And they took that. some liberties, and those liberties I think adjusted very well. And it what expanded on Dude, the it's so, and it's so true because for me, like I got to you're like, well, a remake or a reboot can get new people into the source material. That was me. I watched it. I mean, yeah, it didn't. Yeah. I watched it, and then I was like, okay, I should go. I should go back and watch the movie now. So see, it all comes full right. circle, ladies and, and gentlemen. 
and they they do some fun stuff with like the typical vampire tropes, the way they work mm-hmm. all that in there. Oh, I, it's uh, like they exist in whatever time period they were from and never moved on. Yeah, I yeah. just I love that. Yeah, it was so good. So, well, Brady, what do you have as far as you know, uh, classic horror movies being remakes? Remakes. Basically, the best remake of any horror movie, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Sutherland. 1956 was, it's a good movie, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. 78, you it can't be outdone. Oh, dude, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's, movie, yeah. That's one I and wish then, we could uh, get at Horror Fest, actually. Yeah, I do, too. Um, and the blob. Yeah. 1988 blob is, is better than the 58 blob. <laughs> Here's a fun fact for you behind the scenes. Um, our buddy Rob, Rob Wood, um, Robert Wood, we actually bonded uh, the night we actually became like really, really close pals. Go on. Uh, I was watching back to back the original Blob and then immediately watched the remake <laughs> for 1988. And that was a night we kind of did like the whole like, uh, oh, well, nobody else is on uh, Xbox tonight. So the buffer's not there. Let's just test this out and see if we can carry a conversation for more than 10 minutes. And it lasted at least four hours because I watched both those movies in the background while we did talked. You, so, did you discuss the blob for four hours? <laughs> no, I wish we did. It's I a could. deep dive all on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, speaking of deep dives, Stephen, great segue. I think to finish things up, you know, because wow, the the episodes already ran way longer than I thought it was going to to begin with. So, so much for a quick episode. Well, it's the first first of the alternatives. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a longer introduction period. Well, like we said in the first episode, the show is going to be ever-evolving as we go. So right. looky there, folks. Um, anyway, speaking of deep dives, we're going to do some uh, fairly quick, and air quotes, deep dives into three specific horror movie remakes that we each three have chosen. Uh, I have not read your guys' notes, so it'll be kind of fun Same. to see how each of us individually researches a movie. Brady, do you want to kick things off? I chose... I chose the 2013 uh, remake continuation. I don't know if it's really considered a remake. I reimagining <laughs> is that a third tier? <laughs> a reimagining of the Evil Dead. All three reboot, remake, and remake. Yeah, because they and and there's also theories that it could exist all within the same universe too. So, there's talks of it, sure, yeah. But uh, Bruce Campbell was really on board with it, and you know he he was the hardest one to convince to to want to reboot or redo The Evil right. Dead. But um, it was directed by Fetty Alvarez, um, produced by Roger Tappert, Sam Raimi, and Bruce Campbell. Um, Fetty Alvarez and, I'm going to butcher this like no other, Roto Sayogas. They, they, the, they wrote the movie. Um, it's starring Jan, is it Jan Levy? Or Jan Jane Le- Levy. Jane Levy, Shiloh Fernandez, Lou Taylor, Pucci, Jessica Lucas and Elizabeth Blackmore. Um, yeah, so uh, the the original movie uh, had a budget of about three hundred and fifty thousand to four hundred thousand dollars, and that's probably being generous. <laughs> and, yeah, and so the newer movie, you know, the two thousand thirteen remake, had a budget of seventeen million dollars. God. Speaking while while we're comparing numbers, I'm going to throw this in there. To film the original Evil Dead, it took 300 gallons of blood. Mm-hmm. The new one was 70,000 gallons of blood. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Fake blood, obviously. Uh, so the two movies are fairly similar in progression of the plot. 
the action steadily rises until there's blood and guts flying everywhere. <laughs> the remake feels like a continuation of the timeline began in the original. Obviously, the effects are better in the remake due to the higher budget and almost 30 years of technological advancement. In both movies, there's little to no computer effects. Everything is practical from the prosthetics and the deadites to the matte painting of the moon in the original. And actually, the it is the original painting, by the way. Is it really? Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of shit in this movie that they... Wow. Also, in, in the only CGI... Uh, aside from a few touch-ups in in the in the remake reboot, is the flies where uh, you know they go down in the cellar and they see all those cats hanging upside down, <laughs> dead cats. The flies are the only CGI thing in the whole movie. Even e- e- even the so, rain at the end, the blood rain. Wow, yeah, rain, that's why it took rain, so much. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they it was like it was that's tight. Uh, fifty fifty thousand gallons of fake blood went into that that last. See, that's what I that's what I'm saying. When it to uh, Chastain, she said that um, there's a scene in it too where there was so the most blood ever used, and I'm like, and I seen that scene in it too, chapter two, and I won't spoil what it is because you know it's still a new movie, but like, come on, like that, I mean, that was a lot of blood, but that scene in <laughs> The End of Evil Dead. I, well, I will say that I think the the opening to the remake is, I don't know if you can really do much better. The for Evil Dead, movie. oh yeah. For yeah. sure, that thing yeah. that was awesome. Like we were watching it yesterday, I was yeah. like, I love this scene where you see her, her eyes, um, you know, kind of shine a, a little bit, and it's just yeah. like, oh, I will rip yeah. your soul. Like I was like, oh my god, that's so tight. You know what yep. I, I always kind of think of though when I watch that reboot though, I always think of the abomination as like Wiley e. Coyote, who's always just like almost gets it, <laughs> only to have it ripped away. Yeah, almost there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and speaking of this, the practical effects, Alvarez came out and said um, after making that movie that trying to do a remake of such a classic, you know, franchise, for lack of better words, they knew they had to go, A, almost completely practical with the effects because they're going to be held up so closely to the original two movies. Um, and B, they just had to go just all out bonkers with the amount of gore they were going to use, because again, that's what we all love about evil dead one and evil dead two is just the effects and the gore. And I mean, dude, I love me some good old fashioned stop motion and claymation. Mm -hmm. And that's what made those two first original movies. So creepy. Yeah. They knew they had to just, you know, find a way to combat those really creepy effects. So they just fucking pulled out all the stops and just threw caution to the wind. And it really paid off. Like that, that, that meat cutter scene with the arm. I mean, that's just, and the tongue, come on. It's fucked. Then it's just dangling there. Oh my God. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Stylistic changes include makeup effects, more sophisticated and visually comparable to Linda Blair's makeup in The Exorcist, which that's, I always thought that with the remake that when she's under, you know, when she's in the cellar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. She looks, she looks like uh, Reagan from The Exorcist. Uh Uh-huh. So... Um, as well as more clearly established agenda and a possessive force, identified this time as a specific demon entity. The original films are more ambiguous on the point that the primary occupation of the evil presence seemingly being to simply torment, possess, and ultimately kill and claim souls of whichever victim it can find. Both movies are well made and are effective horror films and will satisfy most hardcore horror fans. The remake is a well-done addition to the canon of the Evil Dead franchise. 
and also I just I kind of had I I put in some few Easter eggs from that they included. Sweet. In yeah. this in the in the remake of in you know 2013 remake that wasn't just a straight up you know shot for shot remake of the original like they included a lot of stuff from the second the Evil Dead two and kind of you know just blended it pretty well. Right. The classic 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 was originally purchased new by Sam Raimi's father and has, with very few exceptions, been a part of the story or background of every one of Raimi's movies. It can even be seen in some of the Coen brothers' films. The brothers helped Raimi edit the original Evil Dead. That's incredible. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, The car shows up at the beginning of the remake um, when we were first introduced to Maya, who was played by by Jane uh, Levy. Though it is rusted out and doesn't play as an integral role in the film compared to the 30 years you know, prior, it's still a nice to see it included. Yeah, again, a great way to continue the legacy without having to just, you know, pull the same gag or, or you know, like you said, shot yeah, for shot. Just, just, a nod, just a nod to, yep. you know, the original and to the fans, you know, that are, you know, they're all looking for it because it's in every one of his movies. So, yep. yeah. Um, and one of the most dramatic scenes in The Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, is when Ash's hand becomes possessed uh, by evil and decides to cut it off with a chainsaw to save himself. The scene is teased in the beginning of the second act in the remake as well, as we see the campers carving up a hand with an electric knife. While Natalie is in the kitchen collecting herself after being attacked by uh, Abomination Mia, her hand becomes possessed, and the camera pans to the electric knife, and the audience knows exactly what's going to happen next. Oh, yeah, we all look at each other. Oh, yeah, you know what the fuck's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Um, uh, the chainsaw has been a dangerous and deadly weapon used in various killers throughout the years, and it wasn't until Raimi attached one, one to the bloody stump of his hero that the wood-chewing machine became a symbol of being an evil, killing badass. While Mia, who is no longer possessed by a demon, is hiding from a freshly resurrected corpse in the storage shed, she has two weapons at her disposal to choose from, a rusty machete and a chainsaw. She chooses the chainsaw and eventually dispatches the demon in an extraordinarily bloody fashion. I'll say all that came together because, let's see, you can either be a bitch like Jason or be a badass. Like Ash. Like like Ash or Leatherface. I go, I have more asphyxiation with Leatherface, but... He said asphyxiation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever the fuck, I don't know. And there's there's other Easter eggs throughout that that movie. Like like in the original Evil Dead, they're all... I believe they all go to Michigan. Yeah. Is it Michigan University or Michigan State University? Mm -hmm. And in the the remake, you know, they're, they're from Michigan. Right, like, right, right. You know, yeah. they they do. You know, do you think? Stay true do you to, think I when guess, they're sitting even... around writing or making this movie, the whole process, there's like they're like sitting around, they're like, all right, let's do, let's talk Easter egg boys and girls. What are we gonna do to make sense? Well, I mean, I think you would probably have to. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it's cool. It's a good way to you know, it's it's a fun little tip of the hat. And so here's a cool Easter egg. I not necessarily an Easter egg, but something cool I thought of too when I watched the unrated version. Uh, recently, which guys, if you haven't watched the unrated version of Evil Dead remake, you gotta check that out, man. It's it's nuts. What's great about Evil Dead Two is you know Ash gets his hand cut off. So the entire time you're watching the remake, I keep thinking that you know Mia has to get her mm-hmm. hand cut off somehow. And you think about you know when the girl cuts her hand off with the uh, 
the meat cutter. You're like, well, crap, that's not our hero. Oh, well, I guess it's in there. No, Mia gets her arm trapped underneath that car, and doesn't she rip that puppy right off? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So our hero still loses her hand, mm-hmm. just like Ash did in the first one, which I thought was rad. And I kind of wanted to see a chainsaw get shoved on the bloody stump, but, you know, that's cool. Again, taking their I, own direction. too tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. form at that another point. Thing, another right, thing they included right. from the original was the tree. I mean, that to me is more jarring oh, yeah. than, than the, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, and yeah. especially the way they handle it in the, in, in the, um, the remake where it gets like really quiet. You see the tree tentacle, whatever, go up her yeah. leg, go into that, and then like the, the sound cuts off, and then you hear this, you hear like a perfect, a perfect match of her scream mixed with the the abomination scream. So it's like, Ow! yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Because yep. like I remember, I think like you went to go check on the food yesterday, and like I was in there watching it, and I'm like, oh, this part's so fucked. And then like I heard that, and I was like, man, they did that so well because it's so jarring. So yeah. tree rape so yeah, pretty fucked. Exactly. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, also, one one last. I don't know if it's really an, an Easter egg, but in in the first Evil Dead, Ash and his friends they come across the Necronomicon and a tape recorder with a voice reciting ancient words that summon the unholy demon. In the in the second film, it's revealed that the voice is of that of the archaeologist Professor Noby, mm. Bob Dorian. Aha! Uh-huh. Pretty cool. But yeah, I think it's a it's a solid remake. I think the. Mr. Alvarez definitely took extra care with the with what From he was middle doing school? and to the respect to the property. <laughs> Mr. Alvarez <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> Those are jokes no one gets but the high school friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, what do you got for us, man? What is your remake? Cool. Uh, so my gonna go a little bit different style, different styles than Brady's. I kind of did like bullet points. So, uh, mm-hmm. but mine is the remake of, uh, or reboot, whatever you would want to call it, Nightmare on Elm Street 1984, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. And this is a hot take, Steve, because not a lot of people like this. I and I think, I think this counts. I think this counts as a straight up reboot. So, like, like I said, a lot of size just went out across the podcasting waves. Um, <laughs> a lot of people didn't like Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 for good reason. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. Um, I went into this movie completely excited, not because like, oh, they're making another Freddy movie. And I, I was, I was upset that Robert England wasn't in it, but, um, I really, really like Jackie Earl Haley. And I was like, this dude's mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. method actor. He could really bring something to this. Uh, and he's not terrible. He just wasn't Robert. He didn't have the chari- the charisma, um, you know, in Nightmare One, Freddy didn't really have any words. You know, a, a couple here. Right. You know, the famous "This is God," incredible fucking scene, and it was more meant to be more terrifying than comical. But then, as the sequels went on, he became more comical, but it still had that cool factor because he's killing people in unique ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, shoved a chick into a TV. <laughs> like, welcome <laughs> to prime time, bitch. I think. Like, <laughs> I think... Jackie Earl Haley, though, he had a definitely more somber, serious tone than yeah, yeah. one did. So yeah, I and I and and it's not all his, um, you know, he was 
it was meant to be more tire friendly comical. So I, I just want to stress to people that like talk shit on this, like we didn't, I don't think we give Jack enough credit with what he was given because like, That's I mean, true. It, and especially true. with uh, what I'll talk about a little bit later, uh, obviously the supporting, uh, the, the main actress is the girl who plays Nancy. So Nancy and mm-hmm. nightmare one, uh, played by the gorgeous Heather Langenkamp. Like she, fucking killed it like it, she killed mm-hmm. the typical 1980s not too popular not too nerdy not too jockey like just average average chick had a little group of friends mm-hmm. kind of semi hooking up had a boyfriend you know shit like that and then like with this movie Rooney Mara played um you know she's been in quite a few horror horror stuff uh, but she just can't hold a she can't hold a candle to Heather like it's no it was yeah. not uh, it's not in movies like this that are getting remade or rebooted or is a, like a really high anticipated sequel. I think that sometimes like when it get when actors or actresses give bad performances, it's because they didn't really want to be in this project to begin with. And that's right. And that's right. how Rooney was with this. Well, one. and to touch on what we. And what we talked about earlier, though, there's just some performances that can't be recast. Exactly, and that's what I was gonna say, because like Nancy's character in the sequel uh, was more of like a loner, loner, antisocial emo girl, whereas in the original she was that popular, you know, semi-popular, had a good group of friends. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. But I think that's that's part of modernizing that story, though. And I don't, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, th- them doing their own take because this did come out in 2010. I mean. Uh, it, at this point the emo phase was kind of going away kind of yeah um and you were seeing a real influx of that mtv mm-hmm. teen horror yeah. you know wave yep. start to yep. come about so that you know and again it, it, was, it was it was their take on the mm-hmm. story sorry it was their take on the girl who cried wolf story she's already a loner and no one likes her so who's gonna exactly. believe her that's why she was such an and, and, and she had sleep sleep deprivation problems stuff like that so like yeah. uh and then and the reasoning because of that will come up later. Um <clears throat> let's not forget that like Heather Langenkamp she turned down the option to be a cameo in the movie. <laughs> so Right. That's kind of weird, but I think um I don't know. Is, is there a reason? Did they I mean it could have just be conflict of schedule or I couldn't I couldn't find the reason. I didn't research that hard. I know a lot of people were mad that Robert Wentz wasn't in it. And I know because Wes Craven was like, I'm not going to dog it, but I'm really just, and I, and he's like, I love Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, but he, you know, Robert England should have been included somehow. And then when they go, the only thing I found about Robert England talking about that is that he really likes Jackie Earl Haley as an actor. And like, he's like, he is the best part of Watchmen. Uh, and then he was like, so, mm-hmm. and this was like right after, some year, two years after Watchmen. So he was really, really hot right. at that time. And they were waiting for that next big role from him. And so Robert England was probably like, okay, cool. But like, I don't know. I just think, I think for like Robert, like when I've watched interviews with him or pe- him signing shit with people, like, I think he's just happy of what his career is. And uh, he's mm-hmm. recently stated that he'd like to come back to the Freddy universe one more time before completely retiring. Yep. And and I, and I and I think that's really cool, you know. Even if it's like a, um, just like a short or something. I think you know? they'd be crazy. Yeah, not oh, to. yeah, for sure. Yeah, they they totally should. Well, he did that. Uh, he did that cameo on the Goldbergs. Oh yeah, that was cool. 
And everybody just lost their collective mind. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the internet went you nuts know. with that shit. Uh, so sleep deprivation is just an important element in both movies. And I feel both movies showed that pretty well. You know, I, mm-hmm. hell, sure. the whole damn, the whole damn, um, it's, I mean, it's almost like a character <laughs> of the entire series. Yeah, yeah. So I think they did pretty, pretty well with that. Uh, but talking about sleep and dreams with the sleep deprivation, uh, I appreciate the remake's ability to use more modern science. In 1984, they didn't really know much about. Mm-hmm. I mean, science is changing all the freaking time. So in this one, they actually talked, which is what Sean's talked about before: the micro dreams, the micro naps, to keep you from falling yeah. into a deep dream. You do kind of like almost like micro dose on like a weird like little hallucinogen. It's kind of strange how the brain works. Yeah, it, that's a great way to put it. It's kind of micro dosing. Mm-hmm. It's it's power napping. I just watched uh, the first half of this remake the other day. Uh, oddly enough, before I fell asleep, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I got to that part and I, I audibly said, yes, because I, I forgot about that because I wasn't really into micro napping. And I think that and I think that people people don't take that into consideration, because when you told right. me that on Pixelated Paranormal, I was like, what? You're going to work and you're fucking hallucinating? Like, get out of your car. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. So, and I remember that episode. And then so when I watched this again, because uh, they just read the Netflix and, you know, everybody has Netflix and they're scrolling through. Oh, watch this game. Give it a shot. And I was like, oh, shit, this is that. That's pretty cool that they did that. And I totally yeah. it skimmed over my head in 2010. But it's cool to look back at it now. Like, oh, that's something original they did. And it makes sense. It changed. Do you guys it. do you guys think that Netflix adding some of these older movies like eventually what like propels the remake to get made? Hmm. Drumming up more interest again, you mean like yeah. uh, like you said earlier with uh, with uh, it, the modern it chapter one and chapter two is a great way to get a younger generation um, interested in that lore. Maybe maybe you're right. Um, <laughs> Brady's son, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Maybe you're right, yeah. man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good idea. Because if I think if I was running, you know, or if I was trying to find you know, the next big thing for either my studio or something. I'd be like, I want I want to put my movie on Netflix and see how well it does on there to see if there'd be possible interest for a sequel or sure. reboot or sure, yeah. Or so yeah. And I don't and if even that's how that works, I have no idea. I'm not a producer or a director. So <laughs> but I always just kinda sometimes I feel like you'll see a movie on a Netflix, an older movie, and then all of a sudden a year or two later there's a sequel. Yeah. Like, well, oh. I I know somebody you could ask, um, Rob Zombie. Since you say you talk to him and you've got the trailer <laughs> early. <laughs> All right. Another thing that uh, <clears throat> obviously what you want to compare. I don't know, the the kills. Let's see what had. That's what ultimately. That's what we cared about. That's why we love Freddie and Jason and all of them is the way they killed people. See, I think if I if I was to want Rob Zombie to re- remake or reboot a movie, I think it would have to be like The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Like that's right up his alley, or creature features. He loves that shit, man. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, in in this in this in this like the kills, you know, the the remake had what we expected, uh, but as we were saying earlier, but was that the remake's fault or was it just where we are in society and movies in general with being desensitized and whatnot? What could they? Re- I think a lot of it is the fact they didn't use a lot of practical effects. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I'll get yeah. into that obviously down the the list as well. Um. So Nightmare 1 was so epic for its time. I mean, when you see the slashing, the killing be delivered in such a bizarre way, a body being drug up the wall, 
and and I mean the one of the probably the in my opinion the most one of the most memorable famous Freddy kills mainly because of who's being killed in in the scene with the bed with Johnny Depp. I mean, yeah, it was so jar. I I couldn't imagine watching this in 1984, uh, being I don't know a teenager or whatever, even an adult, and like seeing that and being like, damn, that is cool as shit, right? Like you know, and and I I, I so in this, I'm literally trying to remember right now a specific kill in that movie, and I can't the remake. I can't like it, it's <laughs> the only thing I remember kill wise. It's about the only part of that movie that I actually really enjoyed, and that was the intro when, you know, the kid's falling asleep in the diner and he ends up, doesn't he cut his own throat with the steak knife? Yeah, okay. That was, yeah. That's yeah. all I remember, so, I mean, but, don't beat yourself up. But that's what I'm saying, though. It's <laughs> not, like, it's not, I mean, it's kind of creative, but it's not, like, it's not a chick getting overfed from a, so much food and then Freddy showing up with a plate and being like, bon appetit, <laughs> bitch, like, I'm going to remember that, <laughs> like, you know, or that's true. Or, you can remember almost every one of those. The bench press where he breaks that chick's arms, the cockroach. And, and uh, Freddy, um, I, don't, I don't remember which one it is. And I'm no terrible Freddy fan right now, but riding the motorcycle and the motorcycles like becoming one with the person, turning him into this machine. God, like that was yeah. like so jarring. Even now I watched it on the yeah. fuck. But that goes mm-hmm. into my next thing. The CGI. It's no secret. Prosthetic versus CGI. Old prosthetic makeup always wins, hands down. Why they chose to go with CGI, look for the remake, who knows? It costs money. Yeah, money. <laughs> exactly. It's what I was going to say. It's, it's, it is. It's cheaper. CGI is yeah, cheaper. It's to- totally cheaper. And it's less, t- less time consuming. It took 70 days to film the Evil Dead remake mm-hmm. because of all the practical effects. Yeah, so, yeah. It's it's time and money, yeah. And unfortunately, you would think a franchise like Nightmare on Elm Street, the pocketbook would be there. Yeah. Wouldn't <laughs> well, not even just that. Like like we have to use you know practical effects, like or else it's just going to be a yeah. mess. And mm-hmm. definitely because like you know like uh, I I do think at first glance because when they did all the marketing for this movie, they didn't show Jackie's Freddy like up close or anything like that. So mm-hmm, at first glance, mm-hmm. you do see him, and, and then, like, the first scene, you kind of see his face, or when he first comes on screen, you're like, okay, that kind of looks scary. But then as the movie progresses, and you see him actively talking, remember, like, shit like that, like, he looks like a yeah. fucked up scarecrow. Well, and that, I, that's what that's what I get hung up on th- this movie about. It's not so much the story or even, you know, the actor, but it's the CGI, the, this, you know, yeah. Freddy. He looks, he looks like Jackie Earl Haley animated yeah and and jack earl haley has <laughs> kind of no no diss to the man he kind of has a weird head and he wow <laughs> hot take hot take folks I mean... jackie i know you're listening probably with rob zombie right now yeah. and uh don't worry i'll talk don't worry steve i'll talk so to <laughs> so to mix that with the cgi it looked like an alien shaped scarecrow it was just it, yeah. You're right. Which sounds terrifying, right. but on screen it wasn't. <laughs> I thought, and I thought, and, and this is probably strange, is that I thought he looked too skinny to play Freddy. He was. I mean, Jackie Earl Haley. And he's kind of shorter a, too. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a Hobbit myself. Um, he is a smaller, daunting figure, so he wasn't quite as menacing to me. The makeup yeah. on Robert England was awesome. So chilling, even in the like the first one when you see him. Uh, doing his whole, uh, you know, walking down the alley with the long arms, 
the shadows, the hit, uh, when they would show his face, you know, like what the fuck is wrong with him? It's so slimy and like wet looking. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's something about it is so fake. It's terrifying. Well, you're, you're getting introduced to Freddy Krueger and everything he was going to be, you know, in the following, yeah. you know, decades True. to come. So, and it's just, and it, I don't know, man, like I really wish they would have done prosthetic and, and took more time on, on Freddy's care character. I don't know. Uh, and the one thing that everybody's going to want me to talk about, it's really awkward to talk about, but does the adding of the child molester method go good or bad for the remake? Like, did it, did it enhance the show? Did it make it worse? Was it dumb? Did it make sense? Uh, I think it adds to it. It makes the viewer uneasy. And I think that in a movie that doesn't really shock you, that was like the only thing that shocked me. I wasn't thinking they right. were going to go that way. Uh, it's such a terrible thing to happen to any any child whatsoever, and it makes everyone on edge. Uh, this makes you hate Freddy Krueger, and it make but in the same time, it kind of makes you question was was he innocent? Because uh, I don't was this the first time it was introduced to him? No, they a, a pedo because I thought that was an older an older thought. They allude to it in the older movies, but they never come out and do an outright, like he was on trial for being a pedophile, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Leaf, but I believe, (laughs) I believe that, uh, Wes Craven, uh, actually did talk about this sometime about like, well, what do you like? Is Freddy Krueger a child molester or not? Or did he just kill children? And I think that he said that like, they kind of, kind of alluded to like what Sean said, but they didn't want to put that in the movie in 1984 because it would have, it would have killed it. Like people, it would have. Well, yeah, because you had. Um, What's worse, though? I mean, a child murderer or, or a child, you know. A yeah, that. Like, I mean, they're both they're both like up there with being pretty handy. It is, so. but I think it's a lot harder to bring that into a movie. I think people of child sexual just abuse. Ex- accept. I think people just accept murder over rape. I mean, any day, uh, and as terrible as that sounds, it is. It is. You're very but right. Sex is such a taboo taboo thing in in our culture so maybe right. that's why especially <laughs> in, in the past well i mean especially in the 80s yeah. you know in 1981 that's when adam walsh was murdered so they had to be kind of careful with what they said yeah. because that's still you know on the tip of everybody's tongue and on the you know the back of everybody's mind so See, i didn't even i didn't even think about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but so so with it making you hate freddy's but when i say was he innocent now what i mean by that is that in the question in the movie they kind of show like a flashback of him in court and the pa- and the parents getting upset because he got off on a technicality. Now we know our justice system is not perfect at all in 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 America, and mm-hmm. or the world in general. But um, him, especially in America. So when he gets off on a, on a technicality, and then the parents take the take the matters into their own hands of burning him alive, um, that scene where he's actually burning, you kind of kind of feel sorry for him a little bit because right. he sure. kind of seems like was this guy really a pedo or is he just like kind of slow and likes to hang out with kids like you know the misunderstood yeah. janitor you know like and they they totally frankensteined him too i mean just the whole unruly mob yeah and yeah yeah works and yeah that yeah. and of course you know that was a, a very early attempt not really early but you know what i'm saying it was an early attempt at the whole um juxtaposition of loki and walter white and oh yeah the anti-hero making yeah. you sympathize with the villain 
It just didn't go over very well. Again, probably because we already knew the story. We already knew in our head we're not supposed to like Freddy, so it kind of fell flat. And then, and because of that, uh, he was killed, and then, you know, Freddy comes back to kill the ones he supposedly hurt. So that, I mean, that's right. like a theory. I don't, I mean, it's probably not. And then, no, our shitty justice system just let him off in a technicality. He skips the fucking town yeah. and justice prevails. Um, while I don't have any sympathy for the bastard, I thought it was a cool take theory on it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just, I like that aspect of it. And then to, to also, I hate saying that because I don't like child abuse in any way, but I like how they added that to the movie because it ties into why like Nancy was, having issues, mental, men, mental problems, mm-hmm. having the, the sleep anxiety the, she, at a young age, you will block shit out of your mind. I speak from, I speak from knowing this from child abuse of an early Yeah, age. that's trauma. You, yeah. you, you block yeah. it out of your mind and hopefully it stays buried. And sometimes it doesn't, it comes peeking out. So I like that they put that in there because mm-hmm. the whole time you're like, well, she just, she just emo going through, you know, the hormones of being a teenager, blah, 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 blah. And like, no, dude, these kids were fucked over and abused. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this guy is such a piece of shit that when he dies, somehow he comes back as this dream monster to even torture them more. I mean, like, to me, it's like he's so fucking sadistic. And the fact is, instead of just being the Springwood slasher, um, you know, going in there and killing these kids in, in the original lore, becoming... um just a you know a child pedo uh, you know a, a pedo like it's like i don't know pedo yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know it's it, it's weird to talk about it's weird to defend that aspect on this movie and i know probably people aren't going to agree with me on it i i just like what i brought up with the theory like i i was like mm-hmm. trying to sure. research like a, a proper way to talk about this and i thought that that like the theory of that like the the making you think uh is he innocent or was he just like a weird fucking janitor it was a great concept i think it just wasn't quite executed properly because i mean what a way to fucking go to be um accused of being a pedophile and then to turn around and be innocent that's one thing to fuck your entire life up but then to get killed for it, like, yeah, yeah. that's how you're going to get vengeance. That's how you get a fucking pumpkin head. I think it speaks volumes of social media justice, even, you know, today. Yeah. And this sure. is 2010. Yeah. Guilty, guilty before yeah. innocent. You know? yeah. Which is even more prevalent today. But And I, I think, though, with, with Freddy Krueger, though, he, when you look back at all the other, you know, slashers, the bigger, you know, Michael Myers, Jason, mm-hmm. um, it's just all about the time. Like nobody was killing people in their sleep. And then once that, once they started doing that in nightmare on Elm street, like, you know, you weren't even safe in bed. Yeah. Right. The one place you're supposed to escape. Yeah. That was a great, that was a great idea. I don't think that can resonate with people these days because of how just desensitized mm-hmm. people are to terrible stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, I don't know. I think a lot of the movie success is just because of the times and not that they're not great movies. It's, you know, like I said earlier, it's just culture of the time. And so I don't know if, if they were to reboot or do another Nightmare on Elm Street, is it going to do well or is it just going to fall flat like this one? No, with Robert England, I think it would do very well. As long as the story is rich and original, I think it would fucking yeah. just and, be gangbusters. And, yeah, and keep Freddy's charisma, which is what I was going to go to the, my, my last point. Mm-hmm. Robert England has such charisma. Hell, even him without no Freddy makeup, that dude is a charisma, charismatic dude. Like 
If you don't know if you guys have ever been on his Instagram, it's phenomenal. He's a great dude. Loves his fans. Loves his family. Um, and like, but anyways, like he has such charisma. Uh, the body count was there before the Dream Demons entered him because he was you know a child slasher. And then the Dream yeah. Demons enter him, give him the immortality in the Dream World, et cetera, et cetera. But Haley's Freddy was just some fucking creep that died, got a second chance to fuck over the parents and kids again for a second time. So I ask mm-hmm. you, is that more menacing? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, America, I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it, it, to me, like, I was writing this and I was like, dude, that's kind of fucked up. Like, this, if this dude really like did this to these children, put their put them and their parents through hell, died, came back again, like damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah, but it, and that true. goes into the same thing of, um, because of what the parents did in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, burning Freddy alive, yeah, and then him coming back, and then because this is Fred Krueger's happening because of you and what you did, blah, blah. And, uh, Frederick yeah. Krueger, yeah. mother. Yeah. So it's really, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. There's some Easter eggs that I, that I did. And I liked how Brady brought them up. Um, there is a scene in the movie where uh, they do actually wear the original sweater and hat from one of the movies. I think I don't know. In one scene, I can't, oh, wow. I can't remember something like that. I read uh, one that I didn't know before that, that blew my mind was uh, there's a rumor. And Jackie Haley won't say whether it's true or not. Uh, it's one of the things that's kind of like, do you want to admit that you fucked up or not? Uh, there's a rumor uh, that uh, when casting was starting for Nightmare on Elm Street that Johnny Depp wasn't going to do Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, he was going to a lot to apply for something else or some shit. And then he got suckered into this interview. Yeah. Went into the interview, but he was that whole day. He was spending time with his friend, and the and his friend that went to him with for that audition um, was Jackie Earl Haley to be in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And when Wes Craven and the other casting directors found seeing Johnny Depp, they're like, "Oh shit, this guy's hot right now. He's popping off. Like we got to get mm-hmm. him in this." And they're like, "All right, we're gonna make your main role." And then that guy lost the role. The other guy lost the role. So the rumor is that huh. that guy that lost the role is Jackie Earl Haley, but. Whether that's true or not, no one can figure it out. But like it's been mentioned several times, Johnny Depp's been asked about it. He's basically like, "I've been asked not to talk about it." <laughs> so, huh. I don't know. Sounds to me like we need to have a third type of episode on this podcast called Swopes Snopes, and we get to the bottom of these conspiracies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! All right, Steve. Just because I can. I'm going to see your Freddy Krueger, and I'm going to raise you a Jason Voorhees. Because I want to talk about the Friday the 13th remake. The original Friday the 13th was originally released in 1980, and the remake all the way in 2009. And on a sidebar here, it's been said the reason why we had the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot was because of the success of the Friday the 13th remake. I can see that. That's right. It did come out before that. mm Mm-hmm. Yep, it came out one year before. And I'm going to say this. This is my most favorite horror franchise ever, and I truly, truly adore the remake as well. So no one can argue that the original is not a classic. We were in the prime season for, you know, original slasher movies, and they kept this original movie pretty simple. You know, we had the basic cookie-cutter story, a bunch of teenagers that are horny, running around drinking, having premarital sex, and suddenly... A killer is afoot. 
And then thus we were given one of the best plot twists of all time. The killer in the first movie is not a man, baby. It is Jason's own mommy, Pamela. So that's what was crazy. In the original movie, we've got Tom Savini. He's still up and coming. You know, he's just crafting, uh, he's perfecting his craft. Yeah, so he's knocking our socks off with just these, you know, really creative ways to kill all these suffering counselors. And of course, the infamous Kevin Bacon arrow through the next scene, which again, it made it really hard for you to swallow the fact that it was Jason's, you know, 50-year-old mother killing all these people. Mainly because a lot of these kills would take a lot of strength, and I don't want to, you know, do a whole sexist take here, but I mean, she was kind of an older, frail-looking woman. Dude. So she had a lot of rage. Hold on. You're not going to believe this, and it's not just me making it up. I never thought about that aspect before. Ever. Like, thinking, like, you saying that, like, holy shit, I never thought about, like, the, that all them scenes, like, lifting lifting a person up, it's hard to do, and, like, holy yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Like, so you would never guess, like, oh, shit, this is Pamela doing this <laughs> shit. Wow, fuck, my brain's yeah. blown right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, because, I well, you know what, I grew up watching the movies, and I think I watched, like, number three or number four first, mm-hmm. and so I watched the original um, after seeing Jason, so <laughs> the twist was even bigger for me, because I'm like, wait, this wasn't Jason? Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't Jason? It'd be funny if, like, he was so mad, he's like, fuck, this movie sucks, <laughs> and, like, right, he, exactly, he hated yeah. the original going forward. <laughs> Well, and I mean, imagine your own mother or your grandmother doing those kind of things. Like, it's just, what a great twist, yeah. you know, what a great, you know, twist on the old uh, trope of it being, you know, an angry, psychotic male. Yeah. And thankfully, the remake continues to carry the tradition of practical effects, which they used for the majority of the movie, um, save for just a couple, you know, CGI moments. But one major downside to this movie is the lack of any real gore which we've always tied to this specific franchise. I mean, Jason is just whacking, slashing, hacking everybody. And you'd think for a remake, like, you know, Evil Dead did, there'd be a lot more gore. Mm. But no, you get some creative kills, but a lot of cameras, you know, panning away really quickly after the initial kill. So we don't get a lot of bloodbaths in this movie. Not a lot of splatter. No, and it's the splatter that matters. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to get that as a bumper sticker. (laughs) That could be misconstrued. Sean S. Cunningham (laughs) really pulled out all the stops. (laughs) Sean S. Cunningham really pulled out all the stops uh, when it came to making this movie. And even though many people have compared it to John Carpenter's Halloween, some people have even gone to be as bold as to say he completely blatantly ripped off the slasher concept from Halloween. Cunningham still developed a pretty badass legacy that went on to spawn 10 more additional films, making a total of 11 movies in the Friday the 13th franchise, with the addition of number 12 being the 2009 remake. What is great about the remake is how it handles the legacy of the series. Unlike the, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Evil Dead remakes, which, you know, only really focus on one original film uh, for both series, Friday the 13th's remake does something clever. It addresses the first three films in the series all in one reimagined movie. And I think it's great, and it's wickedly intelligent because I think the magic of that first movie's revelation that Pamela Voorhees is the killer could never be captured again. It's, it's a one and done. So if you do it again, fine, but we've, 
we've already, you know, ridden that ride before, and the twist would just lose all shock value. So you'd have to either reimagine the killer being somebody else, not his mother, or, you know, maybe he's just the killer the entire time. Um, but either way, it'd be blasphemy. So one thing that I appreciate about the remake is the fact that the writers and director have taken into consideration the fact that the majority of the audience has already watched the original films or at least know who Jason is. So they have no interest in even remotely patronizing us or spoon-feeding us tons of references that are right on the nose. Uh, one such example is that despite the title, the date of the movie is never revealed except for one time in this remake. They mention it once, and then you see it a second time on like a pull-away calendar that today, in fact, is Friday the 13th. That's it. You know, we already know what we're going to get into. We don't have to know that it's happening on Friday the 13th. I, I can appreciate a a director or a writer that doesn't have to hold their audience's hands, especially mm -hmm. in re remakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, so many times you're just like, okay, here we go. I've seen this before. Yeah. Quite literally. So the new writers of the remake, Damian Shannon and Mark Swift, deal with the entire first movie during the intro credits, and that's flipping brilliant. It's a quick origin story. Everyone's killed, and the woman has to defend herself against Pamela, and boom, we are off to the races. Then we get a nice reimagined version of the second film with the baghead Jason wearing a burlap sack that wraps all the way around his head, thus wrapping up right around the first 15 or 20 minute mark of this remake. We get a bunch of great kills. We know that Jason's still a badass and he's basically a supernatural force, so we think, that is, you know, not going to be reckoned with. I love it when he gets his mask in this movie. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's it's great. It's, it's not it's anything great. huge. It's not anything, you know, it's mm -hmm. not like the the passing of Excalibur. It's just mm -hmm. like, just sees it. Yeah. And, oh, what's this old dusty piece of crap? <laughs> I kind of like it. I like the subtlety of, like, oh, there's a hockey mask. Okay. Yeah. Again, it's a very subtle liberty they took, and no one's upset about it. It makes you think it could have been anything. I mean, he, he could have found any <laughs> other mask. Yeah. I mean, really, it wouldn't have been great, too, if he grabbed something else completely different, like a creature from the Black Lagoon mask. A clown mask. <laughs> a clown mask. <laughs> right. Them old, them old uh, plastic clown masks that they used to wear back in, like, the 50s. Just the one string in the back. They should have had him pick up a uh, uh, William Shatner mask that looked more like William Shatner yeah. than just kind of, like, shrug his shoulders and toss it aside. Uh, they, he gets his mask in that in that building, right? The attic or something like that upstairs? Yeah, yeah he uh, he gets in a fight with that uh, that hillbilly hick guy. Oh, yeah, the with the weed because he's got mask. the big, the big, the big uh, field yep. he's harvesting. Yeah, do you want to buy some weed? Yeah, yeah, his burlap sack gets ripped or torn or whatever, yeah. and he can't wear it, so that's when he finds the hockey mask and puts it on, so... And it was cool, too, because, like, uh, the, in this movie, I really liked how they kept that same aspect. You know, they're not counselors, but they're still hooking up. They're still having the sex. still having the nudity. Oh, yeah. It's still stupid the, teens. The, the drug aspect. And it's like, Jason hates sex. Jason mm -hmm. hates boobs. Jason hates weed. Like, <laughs> you know, Jason hates drinking. He's, he's so primitive. Me hate. Me hate booby. Like, I'm going to stab. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He's, very, he's a very conservative yeah. murderer. <laughs> yeah, he is. Well, they, they handled this rendition of Jason, you know, pretty cleverly. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, but, yeah, basically he gets his mask. Boom. We've got a whole brand new Jason. So, Stephen, that, was, uh, that comment was just in time. Cool. According to the co-writer, Damien Shannon, the character of Jason Voorhees was actually reimagined to be more territorial like a hunter. 
he's basically someone who doesn't kill people at random, but instead, he if you if you watch the movie with this in mind, he's just defending his territory from people who are trying to invade it. He's got his little cabin out there in the woods with his mom's decapitated, you know, rotten head of lettuce looking head <laughs> and just leave her alone. That's my mom, you know? And so um, anybody who invades his territory, that's who gets the ax, you know, that's who he kills. And then director Marcus uh, Nispel similarly, similarly claims the film shows new aspects of Jason's personality. And then Derek Mears himself, who plays Jason. Oh, so well, in my opinion, said that his portrayal of Jason actually is that of a survivalist defending his territory, uh, which is partially inspired by the character of John Rambo in First Blood. So hmm. rewatch this movie, knowing that, and it's just blatantly obvious he's not just a mindless killing goon who hates titties and uh, bong rips. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like I said earlier, with uh, with remakes, you get a chance to see more, more lore, more backstory, and you get a chance to get answers to questions that have lingered in your brain for 30 years. Questions like, just how in the hell is Jason always popping up right around a corner, right in the damn way, right at the exact right time? And we get the clever answer to that specific question. And one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is Tunnels. Jason lives underground. He has, like you said earlier, we get to see MTV Cribs. He has, you know, living quarters. He has tunnels that are burrowed all underneath the grounds of this, you know, this property. And he's got these really great, like, home security systems set up with, you know, trip wires and bells. And when a certain bell goes off, he knows, okay, great, that's going to be the pot farm. Or, okay, great, that's going to be over by the shed. And he's got, you know, buses that are turned over that are actually cleverly hidden escape hatches and stuff like that. So he's able just to get around quickly and stealthily and just pop right up, you know, with, you know, no given reason as to why. He's, he's just there. He's basically Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> God, you just took it on a whole different twist. <laughs> Home Alone 13. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 13. that's how he get around his hunting ground is just taking these tunnels, man. And because you guys did it, I coincidentally did it too. Here's some fun Easter eggs involving the tunnel. Ooh. If you watch the movie, you can see a wheelchair and a sweater in Jason's tunnels. During the filming, if you look closely, you'll realize the character Mark from Part 2, who is a paraplegic, he was in the wheelchair, he's killed by Jason, boom, that's his wheelchair. You see a sweater, we all know Mrs. Voorhees wore a sweater, Boom. Jason's mother's sweater is in the tunnel as well. Pretty tight. Yep. Yeah. And of course, we get some pretty great kills. He hawks an axe at the one guy trying to run back and warn everybody. He goes right into his spinal cord. Uh, he hangs up a girl on some antlers. He just does some really great classic Jason kills. I love and how he melts that chick with the... Uh, the bag? The, yeah, the sleeping bag. Oh, God. Brutal. He fire. He roasts, roasts her over yeah. open fire. A nod to the classic, yep. you know, sleeping bag tree kill, but in a different way. And one of the coolest kills in the video game. Do you do you ever right. think that them giving away too much takes away from the character, though? My answer is this. After 30 years of Jason <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah, I want something new. Yeah, after 30 years of Jason movies, why do I want to watch another yeah. one? That's why I've never been the biggest fan of Friday the 13th. Like I respect it and I, and I watch them, but I don't have the, just the love and obsession of you guys that you, that you two have. 
just because mm-hmm. like I could never get into that character because there's no character to get into other than the cool other than the oh. cool kills and the boobs of course but <laughs> but yeah yeah but for me it's majority about the kills and then movies so that's uh-huh. what I watched it for and of course the other thing gotcha. but when it comes to the character like there was no I was like I don't give a shit about some dude in a hockey mask like I want to see this guy <laughs> kill people and do a little wisecrack but um but with, with you saying this stuff like this, it made me think of it way cooler, uh, especially about the mm-hmm. Pamela versus his strength. Like, that's so – I never thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And that's that's the fun thing about, you know, researching these movies is you find little tidbits. Uh, what scared me is Jason and Michael Myers both just these hulking behemoths that don't say a word and just they kill because they can. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, so I have, I, I have to correct you, Sean. What's that? I have to correct you. Ooh. What's that? Michael Myers isn't a, a hulking behemoth. You don't think so? No, he's not. He, in the Rob Zombie movies, yes. And okay. a lot of the reason folks didn't like some of the Rob Zombie was because he wasn't just an average-sized guy anymore. Mm. Oh, Well, the okay. new movie, is, he's yeah. pretty pretty tall, right? It's the original actor. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's weird. He always He just seems taller in that movie. I mean, and that's probably just camera angles, but in the original, like, he wasn't really much bigger than your average person, and and I think that's what, uh, that upset a lot of people when they, uh, when Rob Zombie decided to make him, you know, this big giant, you know, redneck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So, anyway. Well, hey, I stand corrected. To me, he's always had a very large physical, you know, uh, presence, so I guess we'll just cancel the show. Yeah, it's over. Go to sleep. But yeah, anyway, you know, I'll save how he uh, how the movie ends, you know, in case people haven't seen it yet. I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's great that we find out that uh, in the end we're back in Camp Crystal Lake, you know, so that's a nice little ad, little ad there at the end. So, but yeah, it, to me, it's one of the best, you know, modern, modern-day remakes we've had of a horror movie, and I truly, truly adore it. I agree, man. I really, really enjoyed that movie. I think we all, I think... Well, yeah, it's it's just great, you know. I think it, it really was. It could have used a lot more gore, but um, we'll we'll go into Friday the Thirteenth on its own deep dive episode because, like, like Freddy, like Jason, like Evil Dead. There's so much stuff we could talk about, and there's so much stuff we'll leave out when we do. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, hell, we're we're encroaching an hour forty five. We should probably wrap this shorter, looser episode up. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> You're right. Oh well, it's fun. Yeah, that's that's great. what happens. What uh, you guys got anything else to uh, add before we wrap Not up? Not really. I uh, just want to give a shout out to all the listeners that gave us excellent feedback on the first episode. Yes, thank you. Uh, everybody seems to be really, really enjoying it and sharing the page and getting the follows and all that stuff. And it's awesome. We really are glad you guys are here with us. Yeah, most definitely. We've gotten a lot of love um, after our first episode. And we just want to thank everybody for the kind words, the support, and for honestly, I mean, in a world full of podcasts, especially this topic, thanks for just giving us a shot and listening, and hopefully you've come back for uh, another taste. Yeah. We have an average rating on iTunes of six ratings, all five stars. And if you're going to rate us, please give us an honest rating. It doesn't always have to be five. We'd love it if it's five. If not, just give us something honest. And if you're listening to the show, and uh, hopefully... You have got it, even if you're on the Stitcher network. I know that we're trying to figure that out with uh, Mark from Pixelated Sausage Network. He's trying to figure it out. He's working with Stitcher. They don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on with it. 
So, um, yeah, we're working on it. Just let people know. Yeah, yeah, that's the one downside. It seems to be about the only avenue mm-hmm. that's having some hiccups. But, I mean, I've heard that about other shows with Stitcher. I'm not a fan, but Word. I'm not going to put them down either. You know, everybody everybody has their own uh, preferences. So, yeah. Steve, what do you got that you want to plug? You can check me out on Instagram at B-I-G-S-T-3-P-H-3-N. And same with, like, on Xbox, PlayStation, all that shit, too. Um, yeah, just check us out on there and uh, check out our other podcast, Pixelated Paranormal Podcasts. We talk about the unusual and the strange and the weird shit like that. And that's basically it for me. Sweet. All right. Uh, check us out on Instagram where we have our own show page, 13 Nightmares Pod. That's where you're going to find the photos that we reference in these episodes is where we're going to have companion photos like in this one, you know, we'll probably throw out pictures of uh, both actors from both movies, the originals and the remakes to kind of give you a visual reminder and representation. And then just other tidbits, you know, we announce whenever new episodes are coming out, we announce cool pop culture finds like the creep show comic book. I found at Prairie dog comics here locally. Uh, Brady found a pretty badass little uh, xenomorph uh, collectible toy. Stuff like that. So, yeah, we put little little things on there for you guys to check out. And if you'd like to give me a follow, it's pretty awesome if you do. I'd love to have you there. Check me out at Sean Swope, S-H-A-W-N-S-W-O-P-E. That is my handle on Instagram. I do a lot of artwork, a lot of horror artwork, so give me a follow if you Are like. you down with S-W-O-P-E? And then check... <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, and check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Mark's solo show, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his video game reviews and playthroughs at the Attack of the Backlog. Steve, you already mentioned Pixelated Paranormal, our other show. And then finally, let's get to the real goods here, shall we? You gotta check out our dear, dear friend, close friend of the show, both shows. Check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com. If you have a beard, if you know a beard, if you want to grow a beard, use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your entire order at BigDobsBeardBomb.com. I'm wearing Bay Rum right now. Smells so Mm -hmm. good. Check out our (laughs) friend. I think I'm wearing Classic. I'm wearing uh, the tobacco. It's my favorite. Ooh, that's a good one too. Really good one. And then check out our friends over at gunslingersoap.com for some great homemade soaps. And check out our friends over at CD Trade Post here in Wichita. Pawnee and Seneca go in and say hi to Leslie and the guys, the gang. And then look forward to uh, other episodes, episodes, other episodes coming up where we team up with Leslie and John and do some uh, roundtable discussions. We will get a hold of John again and do just another great deep dive because that man is a well of information. Yeah, he is. Such good, yeah, such yeah. good people too. Oh, most definitely, man. Yeah, we are very proud to call them friends of the show. And then, lastly, check out my friends down at Fast Print, Harry and Rock Road here in Wichita. Amazing print work. They have saved my hide many times for art shows and other things. So, all right, I think we about covered it, boys. Oh, lastly, guys, one last thing. I'm so sorry. Check out the Patreon we have through Pixelated Sausage. We have a tier on there called Paranormal Nightmares. If you want to throw a few bucks in the tip jar, that would be swell. And surprise, surprise, you boys don't know this probably. We have an actual Google voicemail you can call if you so choose. Now we're going to share this number with Pixelated Paranormal. So call us up with comments, questions, guidance, your favorite horror movies. And if you guys would, if you have a personal paranormal story, I'm going to double dip here. 
shoot us a voicemail with the weirdest thing you've ever encountered. Was it ghost encountered? Encountered? Man, you can tell it's a long episode. Send us a voicemail of the weirdest thing you've encountered. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, unexplained sounds, whatever. We'd love to hear about it. And we'll share that on the other podcast. Brady, what is your Instagram account? Brady underscore 13 in. And you can find me on Facebook, Brady Farner, F-A-R-N-E-R. And uh, Xbox is ghosts underscore 13 in. Or is it ghost space 13 in? One of those. Okay, guys. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on this micro episode. I know it might not feel like it was very long. I don't think they'll mind. God, I know two hours. Hey, you know what? I like to listen to podcasts in chunks, so maybe one hour here, one hour there. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will catch you all next time where in space no one can hear you podcast. Stay spooky. Until next time. You've been listening to 13 Nightmares.